Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. So how many of you know it's an amazing and special thing to have a word from God? It is a thing that's much needed uh, to, to receive actual direction from him, to have a vision of, of where he's wanting to take you. You, you. you might have heard it said that, you know, one word from God can change your life forever. And I firmly believe that. I believe that, that if you can get a word from God about your life, maybe the word is about your past, and God brings some correction to your thinking about your past. Maybe it's a word from God about your present situation or something about the future. But if you believe it and you obey accordingly and you live it out accordingly and you wisely act on it accordingly, it can not only have the ability to change your life, but it can change the lives of those around you. It can change the life of your family. It can change the life of your coworkers. It can change the life of your classmates, the world around you, whoever you have influence with. And not only today, but it can have an effect on tomorrow and even way off into the future, even beyond our lifetime. There are things that God wants to do in your li- through your life that you will never see with your own eyes. That's called Legacy. It's having an effect on the future, things that you may never see with your own eyes. And how do, we, how do we create a legacy? It's not just because it's something that we muster up and that we want to do. It's something that, the, it's a word that we get from the Lord, and then we act on it accordingly. Amen? And so that's why it's so important that we take time to read and study God's word, to know what it says, to familiarize ourselves with the character and nature of God, to know what his word says about our lives as a Christ follower, to to know what expectations that God has for our lives and to learn and to discern the leading of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like, amen? So how many of us here today because of the grace of God and because of your surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you say, I am a child of God. Let me see your hands, okay? As far, I mean, as far as I can tell, all the hands are going around the room, but maybe there's some that aren't. But praise God, we're, we, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Let's see those hands again. That's great. This is not a trick question at all. I'm not trying to trick you. This is just, it is what it is. <laughs> because of the grace of God, because of you surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I'm a child of God. Yes, praise the Lord. That's good news, isn't it? It's fantastic news. And because you're a child of God, I want to share a couple of scriptures here with you, two scriptures out of many that we could pick from that we probably will uh, touch on and visit throughout this year. But here are two Uh, specific scriptures that testify to the word that God has given to us, uh, Seeds Church, for 2022. Remember, it's a wonderful thing to have a word from the Lord, to have direction from him, to have vision from him. So the first one is this, James chapter 1, verse 17. It says this, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. So if God is our Father, that means that we are his 
Very good, yes. We're his children. And he is the God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. Now, James here and uh, the Apostle John, they both use this vocabulary word, logos, interchangeably to refer to uh, the person of Jesus, but also the divinely expressed words, and specifically the ones that we have recorded in Scripture. And so the Gospel of John, many of us know this, it opens with this. In the beginning was the? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything made uh, not anything made that was made. It's clear that John is referring to who? Jesus. That's right. And so verse 18 in James, it says, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. Who is the Father's true word? Jesus. Again, not a trick question. <laughs> it's Jesus. And it's clear that James, in this particular sentence, is also referring to the person of Jesus. But in just a moment, he uh, uses the same word logos to refer not only to Jesus, but also to the divinely expressed words, again, like we have in the scriptures. And so uh, verse 18 continues on. It says, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Praise God that we are his prized possession. Now, that's not something, anything I get pr proud about. It's just something I go, God, you're, you're pretty awesome. You're amazing. That's how much he loves me. That's how much he loves you. That we're his prized possessions. In verse 19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. What has God planted in our hearts? The word, it says. And then verse 22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So as children of God, I'm reading this, and I say, man, we are not to be shaped by our past. We're not to be shaped by our present circumstances. We're not to be shaped by the world. We are to be shaped by the word. That's the person of Jesus, the word. That's the divinely expressed words of God that we see in the scriptures. We, we view we feel, we think about God, we think about ourselves, about the people around us and the world at large, not through any other filter other than the word, other than through the example that we see even in Jesus. And so not only are we to be shaped by the word, we're to be led by the spirit, Amen? Romans chapter 8, verse 12 says this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Really? <laughs> i got to tell myself that sometimes. Self, you might have a sinful urge. You might have an inclination. You might have a tendency. But guess what? 
I'm not, and you're not a slave to those tendencies. We surrendered ourselves to the lordship of Jesus, right? So verse 13 says, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But, but, that's a good but, it's a big but. I hear something about liking them. This is a, one of those butts I like. I cannot lie. We will stop right there anyway. But if through the power of the Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now, I, I just... This is popping right up here off the page at me right here. Who puts the deeds of the death or the, the, the deeds of our sinful nature to death? Well, Jesus already did it. Jesus already accomplished it. But you have to partner and come into agreement with that. That I'm not going to be led by my sinful nature. I'm not going to be just led by what everybody else is doing. I'm going to put to death because Jesus already accomplished that. I'm going to come into agreement with that. And then verse 14, say it with me. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. How many of you are children of God? Let me see your hands again. Great. Then that means that you're not to be led by the flesh. You're not to be led by what everyone else is doing. You're not to be led by what CNN says or what Fox News says. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, right? Because now you're under the lordship of Jesus. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Now don't be like one of these people that are like, when you pray, you start saying, Daddy God. You know, like, I'm teasing. If that's you, you can do that. I'll be offended at it. God won't be. But Abba just means father. So it's like father, father. And, and uh, in verse 16, for his spirit joins, you, joins with our spirit to affirm, what? That we are God's children. Now, as uh, children of God, the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. What is the Holy Spirit leading me to do or not do? Where is the Holy Spirit leading me to go or not go? What is the Holy Spirit telling me to say or not say? Seeds, God has given us this word for 2022 that we are to be shaped by the word and led by the spirit. Say it with me. Shaped by the word and led by the spirit. Now, if this is something that you can get behind, just shout a big old amen right now. Yes, that's good. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we want to be shaped by your word and led by your spirit. We ask you to reveal to us this year in different moments and different times and places any place in our life that's not shaped by you yet. Any place that we, um, we've kind of divided ourselves off and said, you know, God, you can have all this other part of my life, but not this part. The God, there might be even places like that in our own hearts or our minds that we know already. And so if we do have those, those places, 
uh, we just repent of that now. We pray that we would not wait till December 31st to let you to come into those places. But even just today, we say, Lord, come in and have your way. And Lord, instead of being just led around and just doing what everybody else is doing and, and getting in places of fear or anxiety or store, storing up treasures here on earth, God, I pray that we'd be led by your spirit, that we would be led by your spirit to bring your kingdom from heaven to earth. That God, that you didn't just call us here to just live out our days and and not make a difference, but you've called us to make an impact on the earth, to bring your kingdom. And so we want to be led by your Holy Spirit to do this so that when we go to heaven, we go empty. That every good thing that you've put inside of us, that we've emptied it out and left it here on earth, we've done it, we've accomplished it. So Lord, we're going to absolutely have to have your help to do that. Uh, Lord, as we look at your word today, we pray that it uh, changes us and we fit into your mold, not looking for you to fit into ours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You know, being shaped by the word and led by the spirit is not just some catchy slogan that we decided to come up with because it feels good. It's something that we're taking seriously around here, and we're putting uh, hands and feet to. And so last Sunday, like Pastor Russell mentioned, we started a 40-day reading plan. Now, if you haven't started that with us, just jump in right now. You can go ahead and go back to John chapter 1 is what I would recommend you do and catch up with us. Today, we're in John chapter 8. Um but if you're like, that's just too overwhelming, then just, okay, start today in John chapter 8 if you're overwhelmed by reading seven other chapters. But, um, bless your heart. And we're going to read through, in 40 days, we're going to read through the book of John, a chapter a day, and we're going to get into the very next book is the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles, uh, as it's more anciently called. And once we hit the last nine days of the reading program, of the reading plan, we'll, we'll be doing two chapters a day. And uh, in, in John's gospel, where we start, that's where we're introduced to Jesus as the Word, like we just talked about, the Word being made flesh, coming to dwell among us. And then as we go right into the book of Acts is where we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the early church. And so I just love how... Uh, the Lord has coordinated all of this through the leadership here in our church. Is It's all just kind of come together. Really, I did not come up with this. Uh, I stepped out of the room uh, in a meeting that we were having, and I came back into the room after a phone call, and Pastor Russell and Pastor Bob said, hey, what do you think about this? I said, uh, it sounds like the Holy Spirit's all over that. And, uh, and so, man, like we had had the word from the Lord, and we had talked about doing a 40-day reading plan, but... It was like, well, what do we do? Where do we start? And it was just the Holy Spirit just dropped that on the inside of them. The book of John and the book of Acts in 40 days. And I was like, praise God. And if you get our email updates or you check our website, you can keep up with the daily readings really easily. As well as, uh, like Pastor Russell mentioned, he was tooting his own horn about the little commentary and the brief encouragement and insight. And so, uh, yeah, we so 
Pastor Russell's been writing some of those, and Pastor Bob and myself, and and uh, we may have invited a couple other people to join in on that as well. But to, like I said, today is day eight of the reading plan. Today's text is John chapter eight. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of John um, chapter eight. And well, let's just stand together as we honor the word of God. And we're not gonna cover the entire chapter in this message today. Uh, You can read that later today if you haven't already done it. And today, um, I'm gonna gonna read this passage out loud. And you got, some of y'all are in on this and you may have caught on to it or grown up in this uh, kind of tradition or liturgy. But when I get done reading, I'm gonna say, this is the word of the Lord. And then your response is, Avery, thanks be to God, right? So I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. You're going to say, thanks be to God. Very good. And why, are we do, why do we do things like that? Well, it's because we're intentionally activating an attitude of gratitude for God's word. We're telling ourselves well, first of all, we're telling God, God, I'm grateful for your word, but we're also telling ourselves, we're building a muscle of gratitude in ourselves, a habit of, I'm thankful for God's word, right? And so we're cultivating honor in our hearts and in our minds for word of, the word of God, which is, ought, to be, ought to be the highest uh, value in our life, right? It should be the highest place value thing in our life. So let's just try it once. Ready? This is the word of the Lord. Great, good job. John chapter 8 and verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mountain of Olives, but early the next morning, he went back at the temple, back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman has what was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Well, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more? This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, as you're seated, tell the person next to you, you nailed it. <laughs> if you think about it, one of the most notable things in this account is uh, that Jesus exalts himself 
above the law of Moses. He changes its appointed punishment and he reestablishes righteousness on the basis of grace and not our works. He reestablishes righteousness on the basis of his work, which he hadn't even finished or accomplished yet, but he's, he's giving, he's giving a, a, a kind of a, a heads up, like, hey, this is how it's going to be. This is actually the heart of God. And I like that, you know, um, this morning, I went into the back here, and our prayer team was back there. And it was interesting, the timing, because uh, I stepped right back there, and Matt just, like, was getting up, getting ready to get up out of his chair, and it looked like he was about ready to come find me, because, you know, you'd, you'd felt led to come pray for me, which I need all the prayer I can get, praise God. Um, and so... Matt and Jen and Holly were praying for me. And then Jen said something about uh, God is in the re words, like the R-E words, or something like that. Is that, what did you say? Yeah. It was funny because I immediately thought about this moment where Jesus, uh, he's reworking and reestablishing a new system. The system of which we are made right to God is not based on well, you have to jump through all these hoops now, but it's based on his works, not ours. It's foundation of grace. So this woman is caught in adultery and brought to Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees put Jesus to the test, just like we've seen all throughout the Gospels. And they said, teacher, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, this does have a ring of truth to it. But this is a blatant test to see, will Jesus contradict the law? To them, the law is the way of God. So they're saying, will Jesus contradict the way of God? In Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22, and also in Leviticus 20.10, it says, if a man is found lying with a wife of another man, both of them shall die. That's the law. It's the way of God. So if you've not noticed already about this account, there's something fishy going on here because the woman has been brought forward to be accused, but the man is nowhere to be found. Now, the last time I checked, there's no such thing as adultery with only one party being guilty. But there she is, and there's no guy. So it seems to me that bringing this woman before Jesus for judgment and the guy being nowhere to be found is incredibly inconsistent, incredibly hypocritical. It reminds me of the inconsistencies that we see in our culture today with various issues like racism or transgenderism, uh, mandates, a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of hypocrisies that we see. And it, it also reflects some of the things that I've seen in the church over the years as well. Um, but so the question is this, are these scribes and Pharisees, are they actually committed to the way of God? Are they actually committed to the law? I mean, 
the law of God is the way of God. Are they really committed to the law? Or are they just conveniently using the law as a pretext for their prejudice against Jesus? Verse 6 explicitly reveals their motives, right? So we don't really, ex- we don't really expect a great deal of actual justice from them, right? Because verse 6 says that they were trying to trap Jesus into saying something that they could use against him. And so, like many virtue signalers in our culture today, in our present world, these guys, they don't really care about justice. They care about how they look. They care about their own prominence, their position. Uh, And they're just using the law or the circumstance to get what they wanted. And what did they want in this moment? They wanted this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, out of the way. They wanted to get rid of this troublemaker. And so in verse 7, Jesus says this, let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. It's important to note here that Jesus is not suggesting that we rework the entire criminal and civil justice system here, okay? That's not the point of what Jesus was getting at. I mean, no criminals would ever be brought to to justice ever if all the judges had to be sinless. It just never would happen. The point that Jesus is making is that he is reworking and he is reestablishing righteousness which is our position with God, he's reworking and reestablishing that on the foundation of his grace. He's not saying, you know, it's okay to just go out and and we're gonna make sure that all the judges are sinless because otherwise, you know, they have no right to to pass judgment and and bring justice. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about what's going on here in our souls between us and God. And with the way of the Pharisees, the, the way of the Pharisees, there was no grace at all. There was no humility. There's no compassion. And all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus standing against the Pharisees' view of the law, their view of the way of God. In Matthew 9, 13, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he's like, hey, go and learn what this means. And then he quotes the prophet Isaiah and Hosea uh, did I say Isaiah? I meant Hosea. He, pro- he quotes Hosea, uh, chapter 6, verse 6, where the word of the Lord came and said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Wait a second. We have this whole system of sacrifices here. But here's the deal. The people were missing it. They're just jumping through the hoops and missing the whole heart piece altogether. In John chapter 7, verse 23, Jesus said, he said, if on the Sabbath, if on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, which is following the law, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath, the day of rest, I made a man's whole body well? I made it to come into alignment with God's way, with God's law, but I didn't do it the time that you wanted me to do it? Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus summed it all up, and he said this, the law is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, the Pharisees, they had disconnected the way of God from the heart of God. 
And Jesus continually pointed out to them how disastrous that was. When you disconnect the way of God from the heart of God, then guess what? You no longer have the way of God. Why? Because the two things can't be disconnected. They're interlocked. What you've actually done, how many of you have ever seen any like Frankenstein movie before? Okay. Not very many hands went up, but how many of you are familiar with the character Frankenstein? Okay. I'm in the same boat. I don't think I've seen any Frankenstein movie in its entirety. I've only seen little clips here and there, but we all get the gist, right? Dr. Frankenstein has this genius idea and he creates this thing that's supposed to be a humanoid. But it's not. It's a monster. And that's what the Pharisees did. By disconnecting the heart of God from the way of God, they created their own Frankenstein. They Frankensteined a completely different way altogether. It may have had some semblance of the way of God when the lighting was dim. (laughs) You know, the silhouette may look like the real thing. But once you flip the lights on, you're like, oh, this is a monster. And so I thought it looked like the way of God, but it really doesn't exactly look like it, and it certainly doesn't behave or operate like the way of God. So Jesus forced the Pharisees' hand and exposed their own misuse of the law, and they end up walking away. Like, oh, we thought we had Jesus trapped, and we don't know what it is that Jesus was drawing and doodling in the dirt. We have no idea. I don't even care to speculate. But Jesus says, okay, those of you that have never sinned, you get to throw the first stone. And the ironic part is that Jesus had never sinned, and he could have thrown the first stone, and but he didn't. Praise God. Praise God, because I think about how many stones I deserved that God could have thrown at me, that Jesus himself could throw at me, but that's not his way. That's not his heart. And so what does that reveal to us about the character and nature of God? Again, the point is not that like judges and officers of the law must be sinless, although we would like them for, to, for them to be, as well as myself. I want to be sinless. The, the point is, is that God's righteousness and justice is founded on grace. And when it's not founded on grace, what you get is the heartlessness and the hypocrisy and the inconsistencies of the Pharisees. We see this all throughout the Gospels, not just here in this account. When the Pharisees had all gone, Jesus asked the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Well, no, Lord, she said. And what did Jesus say? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Notice that Jesus didn't say, neither do I condemn you. So it doesn't matter if you commit adultery. That's not what he said, no. Even though that might be the attitude 
and the message that we hear from many people who are misled and deceived in the church. That's not what Jesus said. The gist of what Jesus was saying was this. I'm reestablishing righteousness in your life. In your life. But also in the Pharisees' life, if they'll have it, on the basis and the foundation of grace. Don't commit adultery anymore. Not just because that you're afraid that if you do, then you'll be dragged into the street and embarrassed and then stoned to death. But don't do it anymore because you've met God. You've experienced grace. You've been saved by his grace. The point of this account is unshakably true. We see it all throughout the New Testament. Jesus is the true and full embodiment of the law of God, of the way of God. And he came and he reestablished righteousness, our position to God, on the basis of an experience of his grace on his work, not our work. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? He is the way. John 1.14, again, it tells us that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. And this account also points out to another prevalent message that we see throughout the New Testament, and it's this, that we are to be called holy as God is holy. thinking now when when Peter said it when Peter's writing to the church he says we're to be holy as God is holy we even see it in the book of Leviticus we're to be holy as God is holy how is that possible how can we do that well first of all I think we need to rework and get a more biblical definition of the word holy It means to be set apart. It means that our lives don't look just like everybody else in the world. We are to be different. We are to be set apart like God is set apart. But again, once again, how is that possible? Oh, it's possible because Jesus reestablished righteousness through his works and not mine. It's because the Holy Spirit, Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came and lives and indwells in the inside of us when we call upon the name of Jesus and make decide, yeah, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. And then we have this other experience in the book of Acts where not only the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of the disciples, the Holy Spirit comes and is upon the disciples. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how we can be holy as God is holy. And we come into agreement. Remember, what did the verse say that we read earlier? Who puts to death the deeds of the sinful nature? You. Because Jesus already accomplished the work. So how am I supposed to be holy as he is holy? Becoming to agreement with what God has already done, the work that he's already accomplished by saying, yes, God, I want it. If you've got it, then I want it. 
Jesus came to us to provide grace through his cross and his resurrection. He came to establish holiness and righteousness and justice on the foundation of an experience of his grace. So what shall we do? We should come to him for grace and set our face to sin no more. Amen? Let's pray. Actually, worship team, why don't you come back up and we've got another song that we're gonna close with today. It seems incredibly appropriate. Um, we're gonna sing the song called Run to the Father. Because what are we supposed to do? <laughs> we're supposed to come to him. We're supposed to run to him. We're not gonna disconnect the way of God from the heart of God. So we're gonna remind ourselves about who God is and we're gonna remind ourselves what we're gonna do in response to who he is, amen. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we're so thankful for sending Jesus to reestablish our connection with you, our relationship with you. God, I thank you that you're in the rewords, <laughs> that you're reworking and reestablishing, and you're rewarding. <laughs> I thank you, Lord, that your word says that if we diligently seek you, that there is a reward. You reward those who diligently seek you. And so, God, we come to you now and we look at this account between you, Jesus, and this woman caught in the act of adultery. And, God, we see ourselves in the exact same position. We're hopeless without you. We're condemned by the law. But yet you don't throw the first stone. You don't throw any stones. And so, God, I thank you that that is not a license for us to just go out and do whatever it is that we want to do. But actually, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that gives us the freedom to be who you've actually called us to be and do what you've called us to do. And so in this moment, God, I pray that any one of us here today, God, that is feeling condemnation, Lord, I pray that they would not feel like you're coming down upon them, but they would feel conviction. God, that, that we would know the difference between condemnation and conviction. And that God, instead of running away from you or throwing our, our, our hands up like, God, oh God, don't hurt me or don't. God, instead of that, Lord, that we would run to you. Because you're just looking to pick us back up. And you're looking at us and saying, saying, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We thank you for that. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. 
One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.